welcome back to the Wake Up With W Fab podcast. We miss you guys. This is Dre. And I have started reading a new book, guys, a few weeks ago. I'm almost done the book. And there's this one chapter in this book that like I think about all the time. I've actually reread this one chapter, I think about two or three times. And you know how I found this book? Drop a one in the chat if y'all been listening to Kevin Trudeau. If W fans been harassing you guys about Kevin Trudeau and you guys have been listening to him. So in that, in that podcast, the Kevin Trudeau podcast, uh, you know, where it's uh, talking about wealth secrets and the secret societies, all that stuff. In that podcast, he mentions uh, five other books and I wrote them down and I started reading them. So one of them is called the, the magic of thinking big. Okay. The magic of thinking big. And there's this chapter uh, called, uh, excusitis cure yourself of excusitis and I'm like what the hell are they talking about it sounds like a disease okay and literally uh that book I don't know I just I really like that chapter because it gave so much perspective and I'm gonna go over one part of that chapter that I really resonate with a lot that I that I've learned a lot through my journey as an entrepreneur okay but basically it literally talks about it like it's a freaking disease in the book it's like if you got an excuse it's called excusitis okay and it's a failure disease that's what they talk about in the book uh right literally uh, uh making it seem like it's this disease that people get but it talks about the fact that unsuccessful people suffer from a mind deadening thought disease called excusitis. So it's a thought disease, okay? And it's called excusitis. And the more successful the person is, the less inclined they are to make excuses. But the person who hasn't gone anywhere and hasn't done anything and has no plans to do anything always has a book full of reasons why. Ain't that the truth, okay? Ain't that the truth? It's human nature. When we don't achieve something that we look for reasons why. Why not, right? Why we didn't do that. So people with mediocre accomplishments are always quick to explain why they haven't, why they don't, why they can't, why they aren't. I'm sure we've fallen into that, that before because we're all human, right? We're all human to some capacity. So sometimes we may not achieve something and we're thinking, okay, well, it's because of this, or you know what happened? I couldn't do it because of this. I couldn't do it because of that. You know, we explain ourselves. We feel like we have to explain why we couldn't do something. But he says in the book, I never met a highly successful person in any field who couldn't find a major excuse to hide behind, to hide behind. So they all had something that they could hide behind, but they chose not to. And he lists some examples. He lists like Roosevelt, how he had uh, problems with his legs, right? Truman, how he had no, no college education. Kennedy, that thought that he was too young to be president. Like there's so many things that people could hide behind that they don't. And this excusitis, this thought disease, it gets worse if it's not treated properly. And a victim of excusitis would be like, I'm not doing as well as I should, right? Like maybe I'm not achieving, oops, I can fix something, but maybe I'm not achieving exactly what I want to achieve. Hmm, what can I say? What can I do to save face? And that's exactly what we do. And even... I was on the phone last night with one of my friends. He's a seven-figure earner, 
Um, he's, he's outside of the network marketing industry, but he's very, very successful. Okay. And I was catching up with him last night on, on FaceTime. And he was telling me how a few months ago, he wasn't very motivated to scale his business. He was already making really good money. Right. And he's, and, and he just wasn't motivated to scale his business. He's making anywhere from 50 to hundred grand a month. And he's the, and he, but he had a goal for more, but for some reason he wasn't motivated and he kept telling himself, oh, I, I just want to spend more time with my family. I'm comfortable. You know, more money would just be more stress. Like, I don't need that. I don't need to do all that. Like he kept telling himself that. And when really behind the scenes, he realized that he was just comparing himself. He was comparing himself to his competitors. Some of his clients were not having results. So he was feeling like shit about it. Right. So he was adding all of these other things like I, I i i lied to myself that i just wanted other things because i knew that i was not achieving what i wanted and we do that a lot we are naturally inclined to find a reason why we're not where we are whether that's poor health whether that's lack of education whether we're too young or too old or we got bad luck or we got a misfortune or our wife or our husband or our family upbringing. We're always looking for an excuse as to why. And a, a good excuse is the worst excuse. Is the worst excuse. And then when we find a good excuse, we stick with it. And we explain it to every single person that we meet or every single person that asks us how's this thing going. We explain the excuse. We mention the excuse. I know you guys can all think of a time that you've done this because we've all done that, okay? Oh, the gym, oh, I'm so busy. You know, like I've just been so busy. Right? And the more that you explain the excuse, the more that you talk about it, the deeper it gets embedded into your subconscious. Because your thoughts, whether they're positive or they're negative, they're going to go stronger every time there's repetition. They get Your thoughts get fertilized with constant repetition, whether they're negative or positive. The more you repeat it, the more you believe that it's true. So you have to learn how to vaccinate yourself against excusitis, how to beat this disease of failure. And there's actually four common forms of excusitis. I'm gonna focus on one today. We might do the other three on, uh, next Thursday, but I'm gonna focus on the four. Uh, sorry, I'm going to focus on one out of the four. The four are the most common forms of excuses, okay? Number one, health excusitis, okay? So something that has to do with your health. Number two, intelligence excusitis, that you're not smart enough. Number three, age excusitis, that you're either too young or too old. And number four, luck excusitis. So health, intelligence, age, or luck. I'm gonna talk about intelligence, okay? Because this one to me really changed my perspective a lot, okay? I started discovering this throughout my entrepreneurship journey that people are not really as smart as you think they are. And this intelligence excusitis is extremely common. About 95% of people around us have it to a different degree. So 95% of people think that they're not smart enough to a, to a certain degree. And unlike the other forms, the health, the age, and the luck, 
People that have uh, intelligence excusitis suffer in silence. Why? They're not just, no one's going to come up to you and tell you that they're dumb. Okay. They're just not going to do that. They're not going to come up to you and be like, yeah, I'm just dumb. That's why I didn't, I didn't achieve it. It's just not one of those things we really say out loud. We think it, but we don't really say it out loud. We don't openly admit it. Rather, we just feel it inside, really deep down inside that we're not smart enough. We're not intelligent enough to make something happen. And most of us make two basic errors, two basic things. Number one, we underestimate our own brain power. So we don't think that we're smart enough. We underestimate ourselves. And number two, we overestimate the brain power of others. And this was me when I was in HVAC. If you guys don't know, I was in HVAC before network marketing. This was me to a freaking T, okay? When I first got into the industry and I first started getting on the phones and talking to clients, I felt like I didn't know anything. Like I, I, I was just dumb and everybody else was way smarter than me. So anybody would call, I would immediately get nervous because I just thought they know way more than me and they're gonna find out that I don't know anything because they know so much more than me. And it wasn't until my dad, you know, who was coaching me at the time, was telling me like, stop, stop thinking these people are brilliant. He's like, they tell you one thing and you think it's correct. You take it as fact. And I was like, yeah, because I don't know. No, 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 trust me. You know more than majority of these people. He's like, why are you giving so much weight to a customer? What does a customer know about HVAC? They're just pretending to know. Same thing with builders. This is not their profession. They don't know. They just pretend to know. And it scares you because you are insecure about what you don't know. And it made me realize the more that I got through my journey in HVAC, the more that I learned, the more that I expanded my knowledge, I was like actually realizing that people didn't really know that much. And they would really sound like they do. They would really talk to you as if they're an expert and they don't know what they're talking about. And again, it made me solidify this in my head that we underestimate our own brain power and we overestimate others. We sell ourselves shorts and, and we just think that maybe we can't do something or we can't achieve something or we lose our confidence because we don't think we're smart enough. But somebody who isn't as smart as us, who isn't concerned about their, their intelligence, they get the job done. They literally get the job done. It's like ignorance on fire. And what really matters, and they talk about this in the book, is not how smart you are, but how you use what you have. So very big distinction is very important. It's the thinking that guides your intelligence that is much more important than the quantity of your brain power. So the thinking that guides your intelligence is way more important than how much intelligence you actually have. And in the book, somebody asked, uh, they, they, there's this uh, physician, Dr. Dr. Edward Teller, and somebody asked him, should my child be a scientist, be a physicist? And Dr. Edward Teller responded, a child does not need a lightning fast, a lightning fast mind to be a scientist, nor did he, does he need a miraculous memory or high grades in school. The only point that counts is that the child have a high degree of interest in science, a high degree of interest. 
So it doesn't matter how smart they are. It's about had them having a high degree of interest in the topic that they're talking about. Interest and enthusiasm is, is the most critical factor because when you have a positive mind, when you have an optim optimistic mind, when you have a cooperative attitude, when you, when you have that, a person with an IQ of 100 that has those things will earn more respect and achieve more success than a person with an IQ of 120 that has a negative pessimistic mindset. That's not cooperative. I guarantee you. And I always say this. I always say this to my team. You don't have to be smart. You have to be resourceful. You have to be resourceful. And they talked about in this book how the author met up with a, with a friend that he went to uh, school with that always was like super smart and had a, a ton of business ideas and was a great, uh, you know, always got good grades. And he met up with him like years later, like five years down the line or something. And he was like asking like, how are his businesses going? Like he should have businesses by now. He went to business school. And the guy admitted that he never really uh, ended opening up any business. He was still working at his job. And the reason why he said he realized that he became an expert in why a business wouldn't work out. He became an expert in why a business wouldn't work out. So every time he had an idea, he had a million reasons why it wouldn't work out for every job idea, for every business idea, rather than using his mind for something productive. Doesn't matter how smart he was. He, was, he learned about every mistake that could happen, every reason that small businesses fail, uh, you know, having no capital, the business cycle, is there gonna be a demand? Is the industry stable? So he analyzed all these factors and didn't open a business at all. But so many of his high school friends who didn't even know anything, who didn't even go to college for business, now have very established businesses. So he said, had I tried a little more, had I drilled a little more in why a small business can succeed, I'd be a lot better off today. So it's not that he wasn't smart enough. It's the thinking that guided his intelligence that was, is a lot more important. So that's why so many brilliant people fail. Drop a one in the chat if you know somebody who is so freaking smart that's not successful. Yep. Look at them once. There's a lot of people like that. They're so smart. You're like, yo, how does their brain work like that? but they're not successful. He even talked about a, a friend that he had who qualified as, an, as a genius because he had really high abstract intelligence. And despite that, he was one of the most unsuccessful people that he knew. He had a mediocre job. He was afraid of responsibility. He never got married, married because he thought that all marriages end in divorce. He, uh, you know, just never got any success. He didn't have a lot of friends because people bored him, right? But he was classified as a genius. 
Why? Because he's using his brain to prove to him why things won't work rather than using his brain to search for ways to succeed. If he changed his attitude, he would be a lot more successful. I would, I realized that smart people coming from someone that, you know, I think is relatively smart. I'm a green, I'm a little bit of a geek. And I, I guarantee you that that holds me back. I actually think that that holds me back. I would, I think that I would be way more successful if I was a little less smart. Because smart people think way too much. They think too much. They just do. They overanalyze the fuck out of everything. And they just, they spend so much time thinking, they don't spend time doing. Yes, Lisa, second guess everything. Because they're so smart. They try and think their way to success when it's action that's going to get there. And then the people who aren't as smart jump into action because they're not thinking too much about it. And somebody who's in action will always beat someone who's thinking about action, regardless of the intelligence. So sometimes you got to let go of your brain. And that's what I, that's what I work on. I work on trying to let go of my brain because it thinks about everything. So again, it's not about, yeah. And if you do feel like you have that, try to break out of that. Your intelligence will hold you back. So the thinking is way more important, as I said. And if you don't develop that right mindset, that, that positive attitude, you're going to get stuck in the same area that you are, whether it's at your job, whether it's at your business, whether it's in your relationships, you're going to get stuck because you're going to hate things. You're going to hate everything around you. At your job, you're going to hate your coworkers. You're going to hate the rules. You're going to hate the day-to-day -day work. You're going to hate, you're going to be negative about everything. And, and no PhD, no degree is going to override the basic success principle that you have to mind your attitude. <laughs> I was just talking about my dad. Somebody said in the chat with Forex and he was like, I don't know. I don't trust that. That's too risky. Yeah. Yeah. I literally just had a conversation about that this morning with one of my family members. I was telling them about an investment and they're like, oh, I don't have the money right now. I got to pay for this and I got to pay for that and I got to pay for that. And I'm like, that's exactly why some of you are where you're at. Right? Because you're thinking about all the negatives. I'm not prepared to lose money. Okay, well, if you're not prepared to lose money, you'll never make money. You'll never be a successful investor if you're not prepared to lose money. You just won't. And if you're constantly thinking pessimistically about it, that's what you're going to get. So it's, it's very common. And I mean, this book was written a little while ago, but they talked about how out of 100 people that enroll into college, less than 50 will graduate. I believe that this stat is probably even lower nowadays. I don't know. I never researched it. Somebody could Google it, but I believe that it's even lower now. You know why? Because I went to university and I had a pretty difficult degree. I studied accounting and economics. And the people that I started my first year with, I, I had like probably like 10 to 15 friends, okay? In my, in my same um, degree. 10 to 15 friends that I would study with, 
by the time I reached year two and three, I had one. I had one. So out of the 15 people I knew that started the program with me, one of them was there after two years. So I, I really believe in that. And they said, why? Why does that happen? So he actually asked a director of admissions. Sarah said in the chat, I went to school for a registered nurse. We started out with 119 people and we graduated. There was only 38. That's less than 50%. So he asked the director of admissions for a college why this is happening. And the director said, it's not because of insufficient intelligence, not because they're not smart enough. They wouldn't be admitted into the school if they weren't smart enough. So they have the ability, they have the intelligence. It's not the money because anybody who wants to support themselves can. The real reason is the attitudes. The attitudes that the, the students have, they don't like the professors, right? They leave because they don't like the professors. They don't like the subject that they're taking. They don't like the students. They don't like this. They don't like that. It's the attitude that they have towards what they're doing. That's exact same reason why it is so hard to fill high level positions. So many people finish university, but it's still so hard to, to fill high level positions. It's not hard to find somebody who's smart. It's hard to find somebody with the right attitude. And I'll tell you from personal experience, as somebody who's hired, when I had my traditional business, it is so difficult to find people with the right attitude. People want to clock in and clock out and do, like, they just want to do enough. They literally just want to do, not, do enough. And they will sabotage the work. They will sabotage the, 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 what's going on on site because they're not thinking. They don't, they don't care. They're just there for the check. It is so hard to find people with the right attitude that actually wanna do good work. And it's the same reason. People that have a sour attitude, a negative attitude, it's rather than they're, than they're not smart enough. And the author was hired by this insurance company because they were trying to figure out in this insurance company, why the top 25% of the insurance agents, the salespeople, were selling over 75% of all the insurance. So the top 25 was selling over 75% of the insurance. While the bottom 25% sold only 5% of the total volume. Isn't that crazy? So they searched all their files. They did interviews and they literally found no significant difference in their intelligence and no significant difference in their education. So why? What separates the people that are making a lot of money with the company and the people that aren't? What separates the difference between success and not having success? It's the attitudes. It's the way that they manage their thoughts, the way that they manage their intelligence. The people that were in the top 25%, they worried less. They were more enthusiastic. They actually had a genuine liking for people. And they had more success. Then They weren't smarter. But the thing is, it's way harder to change our intelligence than it is to change the way that we actually use what we have. It is so much easier 
for us to adapt the way that we use our intelligence. But we often are sitting there thinking that we're not smart enough and that's why we're not successful. Have y'all ever heard, drop a one in the chat if you heard, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Y'all ever heard that before? Right? It says that's a half truth because knowledge is only potential power. Exactly, applied knowledge. It's potential power. It's only that when you take that knowledge and you put it to use and the use that you put it to is actually constructive where it becomes power. Having knowledge is it, itself is not, doesn't do anything. Does anybody know who the great scientist Einstein is? Drop a one if you know who Einstein is. Yeah. So Einstein was asked, how many feet are in a mile? And his response was, I don't know. Why should I fill my brain with facts that I can find in two minutes in any standard reference book? Obviously, he didn't have Google at the time. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have Google. He had standard reference books. But it, it's a big lesson. It's a huge lesson. Why would he fill his brain with facts that he can find in two minutes? Dictating that it's not the knowledge. It's the way that you use your brain. It's more important to use your brain power to think than to use it as a warehouse for facts, as a storing facility for facts. And the same thing, the same concept was with Henry Ford. If you guys know Henry Ford, he created the Ford Motor Company. He was one of the first huge, huge entrepreneurs in the United States, right? And they talk about him in, um, in uh, Think and Grow Rich as well. And that's why I already know this story from Think and Grow Rich. So when I heard it again, it made me smile. So Henry Ford, he actually um, was responsible for uh, create not, not inventing, he didn't invent it himself, but he put it into use the, the uh, uh, moving assembly line, moving assembly line, okay? So before it used to take like 14 hours or something to create the parts or put together a car and, and he put it down to like 90 minutes or something crazy like that using an assembly line, a moving assembly line. So he's very successful. In his time, he was like the, the Warren Buffett, the Jeff Bezos of his time, okay? Elon Musk of his time. So they talked about this example in Think and Grow Rich too. And people called Henry Ford ignorant, okay? They were trying to tell him that he's not that smart. He's not as smart as he makes himself to be, okay? And he's pretty ignorant and he didn't deserve the success he had. So he was at some networking event and they asked him a bunch of questions, right? They asked him a bunch of questions because they were trying to prove that he wasn't that smart. And they were asking questions like, uh, who was Benedict, Benedict Arnold or who, when was the Revol revolutionary war fought? Like random like questions that were like facts. And Ford had very, very little education. He wasn't very educated. He didn't have the means to have a lot of education. And so he couldn't answer a majority of the questions. And as the person kept asking them, he started getting irritated. And he said, I don't know the answers to those questions. But you know what? I can find a man who does in five minutes. Period. I, said, I saw Mo go period, okay, with her heads, 
right? I can find a man who does in five minutes. So Henry Ford wasn't interested in miscellaneous information. He actually knew that the ability to know how to get information is more important than using the mind as a, as a garage for facts. And he actually created a concept, I talked about it on Wake Up With W Fab before, called the mastermind. He created the concept called the mastermind. I think it was Henry Ford. I might be messing up with another guy from the book, but regardless, a concept called the mastermind where he put together a group of top industry leaders, okay, in accounting, in mechanics, in engineering, in all these things that he wasn't qualified in because he didn't have, he had very basic education. And he used those, that board of people to build his businesses. So what did he do? He leveraged other people's intelligence because he understood that finding somebody who knew the answers was more important than memorizing all the answers yourself. Okay, so understand that, especially in a time and day like Google, guys. They, they don't have to do the reference book. We got Google. So you don't have to be that smart, but you do have to be resourceful and you do have to connect with people and you do have to leverage other people's intelligence. And I'll be honest with you guys, the reason why I relate so much to this chapter is because I, I know a lot of successful people. And I'm telling you right now, my mind, my, my whole perspective shifted when I realized that they really aren't that smart. The majority of the successful people I know really aren't that smart. And the really, really smart ones are generally living pretty mediocre lives. Because I started meeting them. I started connecting with them. I started seeing through conversation, like levels of intelligence about certain things. I remember this big leader that I, that I looked up to, I mean, I still look up to them, but a big leader that I look up to through a huge event, okay? A huge event. They were in a different company. And I was talking to a friend of mine who, who went to the event, who was speaking at the event. And I was like, wow, like they threw this amazing event. It looks so good. Like, like it looked crazy. Like they did such a good job. And my friend went to speak at the event and they're like, they didn't even do anything. I'm like, what do you mean they didn't do anything? They're like, you know that they have like basically their own masterminds of like all their top leaders and their assistants that basically threw the whole event and planned the whole event. They just showed up. And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah. I was literally getting lunch with them at a restaurant while the event was going on because everything was taken care of. They weren't even stressed out because they didn't actually plan the event. But their name was on it. And that blew my mind. There's a lot of times we put people on such a pedestal and we don't see what's happening behind the scenes. That they're leveraging the intelligence and the skill of other people. Here I am thinking that they planned, they organized the entire event when it was a bunch of people that did it for them and they showed up. Of course, they, they had their hand in it a little bit, but the majority of the work that I was impressed by was not by them. Why? They're leveraging other people. <clears throat> so realize, it's not how smart you are. It's about how resourceful you are. 
and they say something in the in the book that's such it's such a bar they say how much is a fact man worth how much is somebody worth that just memorizes facts that all they got is intelligence and the author was hanging out with a very successful business uh man and they're they like they had a random t like tv series on or they were at a show like a quiz show where there was a person answering, you know, those ones where they, they, they it's a random quiz and you got to have the answers to the quiz and, and then like you win prizes and stuff for having the answers. They're watching the show, like a trivia thing. Yep. Yeah. And the, the person on the show was doing really good and they answered some random question. Okay. Something about some mountains in Argentina or something like that. Okay. And as soon as they answer that question, the very successful businessman said, how much do you think I'd pay that guy to work for me? How much do you think I'd pay that guy to work for me? He said, not a cent over $300. What do you mean 300? Not 300 per week, not 300 per day, not 300 per month, but for life. One time fee of $300. That's the most I would pay him. Why? Because that expert can't think. He can only memorize. He's literally a human encyclopedia. And for $300, I could buy a pretty good set of encyclopedias. Again, at the time, they didn't have Google, okay? <laughs> they didn't have Google. But I could buy a pretty good set. 90% of what that guy knows, I can find in an encyclopedia. The type of people that I want around me is not a fact man, but a person who can think, a person who can use their brain to think, people who can solve problems, people who can think of ideas, people who can dream, people who can develop their dreams into actions. An idea man can make money with me. A fact man can't. <laughs> Sheesh, that's right. That's right. An idea man can make money with me. A fact man can't. But we spend so much of our lives, 95% of us, thinking that we're not smart enough. Thinking that we're not smart enough to be successful. Thinking that we're not smart enough to be like that person. We're not wealth. We're not smart enough to be wealthy. We're not smart enough to have success. When you don't need to be smart, you need to think. You need to manage it. You need to manage what's in your brain. Okay? I hope that inspired you guys a little bit. So number one, not underestimate yourself and not overestimate the intelligence of others. It's not how much intelligence you have, but it's how you use it. Okay? So instead of stressing over how smart you are, use that energy to manage the intelligence that you already have Number two, remind yourself that your attitude is way more important than your intelligence. Remind yourself to see the reasons why you can do something, not the reasons why you can't. The reason why it can work out, not the reasons why it can't. And number three, use your mind to think, not to memorize facts, to think, to process, to dream, that is what separates the successful 
from the unsuccessful. Okay, you are smart enough. I hope you guys got some value from that call today, guys. I'm gonna open up the, the mastermind in a second, but the book again was called The Magic of Thinking Big. Uh, I hope you guys loved it. And I hope this reminds you that you are smart enough for whatever it is that you're going after. If you're tuning in on Wake Up with WFAB, we appreciate you guys so, so, so much on the podcast. Please share with other people. This is our gift with the world. And we simply hope to inspire more individuals to have a better day. Thank you for tuning in. This is Dre.